Hi, and welcome to a special episode of the Kids Health Info podcast, the podcast for parents about common child health concerns. I'm Dr. Lexi Frydenberg, paediatrician, and with me is Dr. Anthea Rhodes, paediatrician and today's co-host. Welcome, Anth. Great to be here, Lex. And yes, this is a special episode, mostly because of the special guests we have. If you've ever found navigating the health system difficult, you're not alone, as we're about to find out. From the Royal Children's Hospital, Melbourne, this is the Kids Health Info Podcast. So, Anthea, usually when we record an episode, we have an expert from the hospital to help us unpack um, certain conditions. But today's experts are different. We have two parents who have been on the other side of this journey, but have incredible experience and expertise. They've spent a long time navigating the challenging healthcare system that we have here in Victoria, Australia, and they have a lot to share with us today. And you're talking, of course, about Mandy and Kate from the incredibly popular Two Peas in a Podcast. And Kate and Mandy describe themselves as just a couple of mums speaking truths. They're pretty humble, but I guess that is exactly what they're doing. More than that, though, they talk about the roller coaster that is parenting multiples with disabilities and additional needs. They've clearly filled a gap in the community helping parents and families with children of additional needs and even without additional needs. They currently have over a million downloads and they were nominated recently as Australians of the Year for 2021. So we're very lucky to have them finding the time to join us here in the studio. Welcome, Kate and Mandy. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You both have a lot of similarities in your introduction to the healthcare system when you had premature twins a few years ago. But you've had a lot of differences along your journey as well. Would you be happy to share some of your journey and experiences with us today? Sure. So I had my twins at 31 weeks. My mm-hmm. waters just broke at midnight one night. When I was, we went straight off to Monash. They were born, yeah, 72 hours later. Uh, and so they were sent both to NICU, both of them, one in Bay 8, one in Bay 7. And um, that was the beginning. Yes. I knew that I was going to have premature babies because I had well, the babies had twin-to-twin transfusion. I always say I had it, but I didn't really. <laughs> Apparently they had it. Um, yeah. Your twins are identical. My are fraternal. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'd actually gone and done tours of the NICU at Monash, tours of special care. I'd spoken to um, the nurses that worked there. They told me what I, you know, you're going to have to be expressing milk. This is the expressing room. So for me, that transition was much easier than for Mandy because I knew that's what was coming. I was hoping to get there because we didn't know if the Mm. boys would survive. Mm. So, I mean, it's still a shock to walk in to NICU and your babies are there, but I was very relieved that they were alive and it wasn't my job to keep them alive, if that makes sense. They're out of you now. So, you know, you've done as much as you can do and it's over to the next Someone with 12 years of study, it's their job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What are some of the tips or thoughts when you reflect back on that time that you could give other parents that might be experiencing this journey? I think you need to accept help, which is really, really hard. But even if you just keep a little thing in your phone, notes, and when people ask you, what can I do? Mm. You can do this. I need my other children picked up from school. I actually need someone to come and sit and bring me a coffee in the hospital because you stay all day and it's weeks. And for some people, it's months. And you have to accept that you're going to feel guilty. Every minute you're not there, you feel guilty. But that's how every mother feels or parent. So you just have to go, okay, we all feel like this. And I think, Kate, what you've said there about accepting help is a useful mantra for motherhood generally, Mm -hmm. isn't it? And also help look after the rest of the family. I'm not sure whether you had other children, I think. I didn't. Um, Yeah, I had three other children. So just amazing um, 
usually women, would pick them up from school and bring them to the hospital so that I didn't have to go and get them and mm. I could spend that time. And then they could come and see their brothers. Um, and, you know, someone offering to coordinate the after-school activities. Like, that's just... Yeah, ugh, just so take it hard. out of your hands. Yeah, yeah, because you can't do it. You, yeah. you, you can't. The so. mental load is too huge oh, yeah. when you're already recovering from giving birth. Well, that's, that's right. right. As well as having children with you know, in a special care or NICU situation. Yep. And I think there's a level of, well, for me, it was just, I was just so sad. It didn't go to how I thought it was going to go. And, you know, my doctor was like, we'll just get to 34 weeks. So I was like, okay, I'll just get to 34 weeks. Mm. And then it just, never. I mean, people had said to me, maybe you'd have premature twins, but it never, it didn't sink in. I'd never been a mum before. I didn't know what was going on. So even I think if you are having a multiple birth, go and do a tour mm. if mm. you can. Yep. And I think most mums and parents think they're going to have this really perfect yes. pregnancy yes. and this calm, perfect birth. Uh. And reality, we all know, we've yeah. all had yeah. multiple yeah. children. It doesn't work no, out. I, no. I know very few perfect births. Yeah. Yep. So really, I think just finding out about other people's experiences and just having an open, open mind, mind to what will happen. We're all pretty good at pivoting now, so yeah. I yeah. think it's yeah. going to be a good tool. <laughs> just picking up on what you said before, Mandy, about you know things not going the way you expected, as, as Lex just talked about as well, it's that idea of grief actually, isn't it? Mm. So you've got to allow yourself a bit of space sometimes to actually grieve for what you thought your experience was, was going to be in order to actually move forward. The place that I found my people was the expressing room. Mm. Yes, that fantastic. was where all the grief poured out and yeah that's why we've spoken about on our podcast that is a sacred room mm. everything's pouring out in Air the expressing room. <laughs> Blood, milk, it's all pouring out so that room i always say to hospitals that put yeah. the most beautiful stuff in there yeah. absolutely instead of us mm. sitting on horrible chairs having yeah. to wipe down the disinfectant get out the pumps put them on your tube perky little boobs <laughs> when you're 28, you don't know what you're doing. One of the other um, interesting but often difficult times is when along your journey your child's given a diagnosis, mm. even if you expect it, it's mm. often quite confronting. Very. And I think that's another time where people often find their tribe. You were just yes. talking about the expressing mm. room. Yeah. What was your experiences when your children were given uh, any mm. diagnosis along the way by their team? Once again, Mandy and I had a completely different, different journey. Yep. So we had, um, well, I had three scans a week when I was pregnant with the boys and they would say, oh, there's some moments of hypoxia happening. This is happening. You're probably going to have a bit of a global delay. There's probably, we really were looking for cerebral palsy, lots of things like that. So for me, when I had the boys and they were alive and they were feeding, I was like, wow, you know, that's a huge thing. So we were we were just aware that things weren't going to be typical with them. Mm -hmm. And I think because I had that knowledge that I might not have got to have them, like I still look at them and they're 15 and I just think, how did I get so lucky? Like yeah. I can't believe they're here. Yeah, and you celebrate the wins because oh, you had really? these expectations. Yes. So yeah. my journey to diagnoses, which is still coming, like we're still yes. looking at some other things. <laughs> Ongoing. <laughs> yeah. It's forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was confronting, but it was more, this sounds terrible, what other people would think rather than what I thought. But that's a reality for many people. Yeah. Actually, as a parent, you often know what you see in front of you and you love your child and yeah. you accept it. But it's also what are other people going to think yes. when I'm out in the street or at yes. the supermarket or my child's throwing a tantrum. Yes. Yeah. I found that really hard. And because my boys aren't neurotypical, it's invisible. Yes. Yeah. 
Just picking up on something else you said there, Kate, about the regular scans and, you know, you talked about hypoxia, which mm. is low levels of oxygen and that that might affect the brain. How did you sit with the anxiety that that all creates? Like if you reduce unknowns, you reduce worries. Yes. So that's where information is good. But at the same time, once you're carrying it, it's a burden too, isn't it? Oh, yes. I... This is, uh, you can edit this out if you want, but when I would get to the scan, I would always have diarrhea and often throw up and it wasn't morning sickness. It was just the Anxiety. fear. Yes. And I had the most divine um, doctor who I actually named one of my twins after and he would say, he would hold my hand and take me in and he would, we wouldn't talk. He'd get the scan out and he'd say two heartbeats. And then we'd work back, oh, we've got a visible kidney. Oh, we've got this. And so we just had this agreement that, you know, that's all we wanted to see was if there was two heartbeats. And when the boys were born, he actually came and saw me in the hospital and he said, I I just have this huge feeling of relief. Mm. I was so stressed every time you walked in the door. It was the first time that I thought, <laughs> oh, this involved him as well. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't just, yes. Me. just me. I thought, of course, he was going to have to tell me. Yeah. He was yeah. carrying it too. Yeah, he was. And so for you, your experience when your children were given diagnosis? Well, around about four months, I went to the maternal and child health nurse and I said, I think something's going on with one of my twins and um, she did all the four-month checks and said and wrote in the book, developing beautifully, and I just can't ever get that out of my head because I thought I knew, I know something's up. Yeah. Um, and then by the time we got to the eight-month, they were 10 months, I corrected, the eight-month check I went in saying, no. I know something's mm. Definitely different. because I've got a twin doing this Yes. and I've got a twin falling sideways in the high chair not using her right side mm. so I went in I took my mum um and yeah she said look yes something's going on so would mm. that then the balls are in motion so it was waiting for MRIs it was waiting for to get into pediatrician um physio speech all that getting on that bandwagon of early mm. intervention I just didn't understand what was going on right. and then we went and saw our pediatrician Shane and he told said yes she has damage to the white matter um, and I came home and I went to bed and I couldn't talk for about two hours mm -hmm. and I remember thinking um, I'm, I'm out mm. <laughs> and then I remember my husband and my mum coming in trying to get me to move and then um, I heard them arguing in the lounge room and my mum saying we've got to get a doctor and he's saying she's just sad yeah. yeah, and then I heard the baby's crying, and I thought I have to get up. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, um, that's sort of that moment. Yeah, and yeah. that, and in that moment, where is you know you're juggling this? Where's the space for you? Yeah, mm, there wasn't really any. Twin none. babies are relentless. They <laughs> are. Yes. <laughs> they so, but you know, I thanked them. They they cried and they said, "Come on, mum." Yeah. Right. So then I never turned back. Yeah. So, but I just sort of had to have that shock. I yeah. think. Yeah. Yes. And people will go through that grief or that ex acceptance at different times. Yeah. And I think having the space to do that as yeah. a parent is really important. Well, I think my body just took over. Absolutely. Actually. So I don't, it wasn't something I planned. I just couldn't talk. Yeah. Mm. As a parent, particularly as a mother, your gut instinct can often tell you mm. if something's wrong. And yeah. I think you just emphasize that when you said, look, I went back, I went back, I knew there wasn't yeah. something right. And I think that's super important yeah. for people to know that if you're if you think there is something that is atypical about your child or mm -hmm. their development, reach out, yeah. reach out again, 
and go and speak to a health professional. And if the maternal child health nurse isn't sure, go to your GP That's and right. then get a referral. Yep. Yep. And that um, probably you know brings us on to a really important next question, which is the, the idea of how you find your team. Mm. So be interested to hear a bit about particularly a GP or you know who have you had in your corner mm. helping you on your journey and how did you get there for other parents out there feeling like they're really at sea. For me, we met Shane in special care when I moved, the girls were moved out of Monash to Mitcham Private. So that's where I met him. So I sort of felt like, okay, he's on my team from the beginning. Mm, mm. So I just always deferred to him for everything. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then we found a regular GP, just one I could get into easily. Yes. Import- that's important. <laughs> because Easier twins, said than done. Prem twins, sick, sickly. Mm, I've never yep. known such sickly yeah. babies. I needed someone that I could get into that day. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which yeah. was hard. Hard to find close one. Close to home. Close to home. I could walk with, I could get the yes. double pram in. Yep. And yeah. Mm. Yeah, I could ring that morning and I could get in. And you could yeah. be there. And you've stuck with your GP well, and your he's, pediatrician. He's um, retired now. But mm-hmm. um, yep, Shane. We've got the same pediatrician. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm stuck with. And that's, that's brilliant when it is the case. It's yeah. not always the no, case for everyone. That's right. Yeah. And then, of course, because my girls have a diagnosis of cerebral palsy, we then moved into the hospital system and the mm. VPRS. Mm. So Which we're, is the Victorian Paediatric Rehabilitation Service. Yeah. In, so in then Victoria. we were at Monash and then we're at the Anglers. I mean, I feel like I've. I know all the hospitals. Yep, you're an expert, <laughs> as we said. I know all the physios. They you guys all, are the experts. They can all have a word to say about Mandy with the twins. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Kate? What was your journey like finding so, a GP, for example? Well, I had a GP and I actually went to him when I was about 30 weeks pregnant and I said, I'm pregnant with these twins. They're not sure if they're going to make it. So I want you to check up on my mental health because I probably won't come to you, but I know now that I need to. And I knew that I was this close to not coping. So I was like, I need to give that Just to somebody else. Yep. So he was really on board from, from the beginning. And yeah, I you know, when the boys were born, we also had a, we had a pediatrician at Monash and then we moved over to Shane when we came because we live in the eastern suburbs mm-hmm. of Melbourne. So... I've had Shane since the boys were four months old. So, and I've wow. just seen him the whole time. So, that's been a real benefit because he's watched them grow up. And I said to my GP, You have to be my person that gets all the reports, files them all, keeps them. Um, and then he's on top of it as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. if I ring him, he's like, Yeah, how did that go? And because all the admin, it's too as well, so isn't much. It? And admin yeah. and GIS now, it's like a full time job. Yeah. Yes, that I, think, I don't do very well. I have to say, <laughs> you do. well, you know, it's just oh. things get dropped. Mm. Oh, and obviously, yeah. I mean, ladies, you're very successful in lots of ways in your podcast, and you know, you're That's able to advocate good. and be resourceful. <laughs> and and for many parents out there, they're probably thinking, oh my god, how how do I do that? Yes. Oh my goodness, I can't manage. People but, do say that to me, but I think just in time, just you know, remember, we're our kids are older. Old. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this was not the Mandy of 10 years ago. No, And so one of the things, obviously there's a big team, there's lots of challenges, and this is, you know, if you had a magic wand, which none of us do, unfortunately, Mm. what would really make things better or or different in the healthcare system for you, do you think? I would have loved a case manager. Mm. Yeah. I would have loved someone to say, I'm your person, Mandy. Yes. And I'm going to liaise with everyone for you because I was drowning. Yes. In all their things. Absolutely. Uh, Eventually my husband said, I'm going to take that twin. And you're going to take that twin. Mm. Right, okay. Yeah, because he said to me, you're, you're dropping the ball with this one. We are dropping the ball yeah. with yeah. this particular child. <laughs> yeah. And you often focus on the child with more needs. Well, I yes, was, you do. definitely. Yep. And then she had a third diagnosis of an intellectual disability when she was in grade three. So then we were like moving schools to special schools. We were, you know, all that. Um, 
So do it all. I just could, we just yeah, couldn't. No. So divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Get help. Mm. And in the ideal world, we would advocate that everyone in Victoria and Australia mm. get case managers for their think, children. Imagine yeah. what would you think, Kate? What would you like different to well, be done differently in your journey? Um, I think I would like someone to come with me to appointments and write it down, mm-hmm. because when you get given big diagnosis or even little things, you sort of fixate on part of it and miss the rest. Absolutely, mm. and. The doctors write notes, but they don't give them to you. No. So I think somebody to come sort of impartial. You can't take your mum or someone who's also maybe um, upset at the diagnosis. You need a different person. And I noticed you said as well, Mandy, when you first went back to the maternal child health nurse and you were really sure something was up, that you took your mum. Yeah, And I that did. you'd kind of obviously I thought, so I need to do this differently this time. Yes. I need someone with me. Yes, yeah. definitely. Just to segue, we in paediatrics we often see children up to – their 18th birthday or till Mm. they finish school. But we often start thinking about the transition process Mm. to adult services when they're in sort of the early mid-teens. Yes, Mm. where we are. Where you are. Have you started thinking about transition and how are you feeling about it? Well, we've had a lot to do with the Royal Children's. My daughters have had quite a lot of orthopaedic surgery here. So I feel like it's my place Mm. when I come here and I I feel like we're all Unusual. It's a big family. (laughs) Doctors aside. Oh, oh no. Perhaps we're the most unusual. (laughs) I always feel like when I'm here, I'm with my people. There's AFOs, there's wheelchairs, there's all, you know. um, I love going up to the gate lab and just, you know, they say, hi, Mandy. Yeah, Yeah. they know you. You You've been here for 15 years. Yeah. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I feel very nervous about that, but that's mixed in with the nerves of finishing school as well. Mm. So I think, wow, I'm going to be hit with everything. Mm. Well, I think we need like a middle school, you know, like... (laughs) <laughs> there's like year seven to nine and then there's year 10, 11 and 12. We need like a, yeah, 18 to 25 transition to yeah. get us through and to and to and for some of our children to get them more responsible for their mm. health care. Yes. And, you know, because we're not always going to be here. Um, yeah, so, but I'm terrified. And we, we obviously have lots of families on similar journeys to this here at RCH. And so one of the things that the hospital does offer for children with very complex needs is a transition program. And we did just have um, a group of now young adults graduate last year from RCH and they'll be heading on to adult care and services. So if a child is a teenager and they will need some ongoing care, but often in the community, not in a hospital setting, often the GP can really be their point of contact. So having someone who's known your family your whole life is fantastic, Um, but they might help find the right people. And it will take time. It's not a six-month process. It's often over years and you might still see your paediatrician as well as an adult physician for a certain amount of time. And for people listening out there, I think wondering and, and feeling worried about the process probably the advice would be start the conversation. So talk about that next time you see your paediatrician or your physio or your OT or whoever those people are that are providing care now and start talking about what's this going to look like in a couple of years' time so you can begin the journey. Mm. We wanted to talk today about the role of parents as advocates. Mm. Why do you think, I know you're both brilliant advocates for your children, um, why do you think it's so important for parents to play that role? Well, for me, I think they um, professionals just meeting my girls are not thinking about them being nine weeks prem babies mm. and all the things that their little bodies and minds have been through and all their surgeries and all their testing 
And so I'm the person that knows all of that. So mm. when I come in and say, well, no, that's not going to work because of this, there's a multitude of reasons for that. Mm. And you've had 15 years experience yeah. in knowing your child. Yes, that's right. And I'm not someone to just say no for no reason. I think it's important at this point perhaps to talk about um, as a patient or parent, how it's okay to, you know, ask questions and perhaps challenge your doctor. As a healthcare professional, we know we don't always make things as clear as we could or necessarily always get it exactly right for you and your family. So speaking up, asking questions is an important part of advocating for your child. Absolutely. And I actually tell a lot of my patients, write a list of questions, bring them into the appointment because you won't remember them all on the day. But also if I say something and you don't understand why we're recommending that um, medication or, or that test, please ask me. And here at RCH, we are part of the program called Choosing Wisely, which is a way to help parents do that, work with us as healthcare professionals to make the best choices for their kids. And there's five key questions that we encourage parents to ask. So if you want to have a look in the show notes, you'll see a link to those questions there that will help you as parents work with your healthcare provider to make the best decisions for your child. It's really hard at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's a born advocate. I think you learn it and it's mm. a baptism of fire when you have children with additional needs. But all parents will relate to advocacy. Like Absolutely. everyone's picked up their child from daycare or school and heard a story and gone, oh, I don't think so, yeah. and, you know, hopped on the phone. So my thing with advocacy is I'm, you know, we say you advocate like a mother, like you really go in hard. But you have to also choose your moments. So that's a really hard life hard. lesson. So the best advice I was given by a woman or parent further down the journey from me was um, sleep on it. Yes. Right. So yep. just think, oh, you know, and sometimes you don't sleep so well, but l- let's really think about it. And sometimes I might ring Mandy or I've got another friend who's very logical. I'll say, what do you think? And if they go, no, that was – I'm like, right, I'm on the right yeah, train. Or if same. they go, oh, yeah. maybe – there was a reason. And you can still talk to the school or healthcare professional about it, but you don't have to go in quite so hard. Yeah. And um, write notes, which is just my personality, but just write a little note yes. about what happened and when and how you felt. And then if it's a reoccurring thing or if it was a one-off, you'll know. And yeah. I always think out of the mouth of babes. So if my children can communicate, mm. then it's best to come from them. Yeah. Mm. So when doctors or prof would ask and they answered, then that was much sometimes more powerful than me mm, saying. Absolutely. Mm, mm. Yeah. And I think that of, that sometimes gets missed with children with additional yes. needs, mm. that the children's voice yes. um, comes through the parents, whereas often yes. the children have opinions. Yes. And have yes. Of course they do. And they're very strong and yes. we've got to actually listen yes. to them. We had a great story with prof last year and um, we were talking about some medication for dystonia and he said to her, well, if you start it, you might get very sleepy at school. And she said... I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Just sleep through the day. So gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, honest. They're so raw and so honest. And just, just because kids have opinions doesn't mean we all, all <laughs> always have to listen to them either. But, but it was <laughs> just to get it out. It was there. such yes. a moment because I was like, I don't want her on it. It's going to be harder for me to manage. Yep. She's like, I'm going to sleep at school. <laughs> yeah. She was okay with it. Oh, yeah. it was so cute. So, yeah. really, empowering parents to advocate for themselves and their child. 
ask lots of questions. It's a long game. It's a long, long game. It's a marathon. When my friend said to me, this is not a sprint, Mandy. Mm. This is a marathon, a life marathon. Yes. Absolutely. And you're a bit further down the track, so yeah. you've got a lot of wisdom gained over the mm. years. But I think that's why it's really helpful for other parents who might be at the start of their journey. Yes. Mm. Well, they need to find your people. So I've got people ahead of me and I'll just mm. seek out those women wherever I can. So through your podcast, you've got a network. Can you yep. tell us a bit about that? Mm. Well, we have, if you go back and listen, you can choose episodes too, obviously. Um, so we'll, we'll have different professionals coming on and we have lots and lots of parents with lots and lots of stories. That's really where our podcast is at. Yep. And, and a then, lot of humorous stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah because, because our kids are funny. funny. Yeah. Um, we're sort of tired of being taken so seriously yeah. all the time. And if you don't yeah. laugh, you're going to cry, right? Exactly. So we've got to laugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we also have a little a closed group on Facebook. So yep. you've got to, you know, we do some nice screening before you can get in. Yes. And we've never had one horrible thing in there. Everyone's lovely. Everyone's children have different. Oh, all sorts of things. So we said you, you can just belong to the P tribe. Yes, we all belong. Because I felt lonely in the cerebral palsy world. Mm. And so, but all I knew was that if I could find a friend that had a sniff of difference, yep. boom, yep. we're yep. friends. It doesn't yep. matter about the label. Doesn't or matter. No, it doesn't. No. Just got to have empathy for yeah. each other. Yes. And then you're like, do you want another lasagna tonight? No. <laughs> So find your tribe, go on to your uh, Facebook page and, yep. and often, and there's a really great group there, yeah. but there's other associations that we'll link of in the course. show notes oh, yeah. as well. The Association for Children with yep. a Disability, yep. we love them. Absolutely. Yep, and amazing. you'll meet people in hospital at a point. Oh, yeah, you will. Allied Health. Yep. So if you click many. with someone, yep. go for coffee. If you've got Absolutely. a child with an AFO, I'm coming for you. Yeah, that's <laughs> so right. that's an ankle yeah. foot off those yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So I have to just... <laughs> of course. <laughs> but I spot them, I'm like, oh, they're my people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So being a parent with children with additional needs and having other children can be overwhelming. It can be a huge juggle. You're in and out of hospital for appointments, Mm. for admissions. Yes. The children who don't have additional needs um, are often not getting as much attention. Yes. But what are some tips that you might have for other people who are trying to juggle the family, the children with additional needs, the siblings? How do you do it? Uh, We don't. (laughs) But you you are. (laughs) Yeah, but we, we don't always do it well. And the truth is, and I've now that my children are older, I've explained it to them. If someone falls over and breaks their leg, we're going to help that person. We're not going to help the person who dropped their lolly, right? So even though both of those people are feeling sad, one gets more help. Mm-hmm. And that's just life. And life yep. is not fair. No parent parents equally with all of their Absolutely. children. and. You know, it's a bit of a moment when the kids realise that, but it doesn't mean I don't love you as much. I mm. fiercely love you and I would, you know, say to my, my husband, you take the boys and I'm going to take this child and I'm going to do this and I'm going to take this child and I'm going to do this. But you can't do it when they're little. So right. yeah. when they're very little, it was just how it was. Yep. Um, and I think the upside of that, is amazing children that have full of empathy mm. and they seek out friends who are also yes. amazing, whose children, yes. whose siblings have mm. disabilities. So our world is so much richer for our children having grown up realising that there is no normal and I don't know, li- our lives are better and their lives are better, even though they've had to sometimes wait at the bus stop. Yeah. 
And do they have an opportunity to talk to other people? Do they, have they found their tribe? Yes, my youngest daughter is 10 and she has a little friend whose brother has autism, goes to a special school. And she wrote in her birthday card, "I, you're my best friend because you understand what my life's like. Mm. You and know? that's so important for all of us, isn't yes. it? You just yes. need someone to actually be able understand. to have the empathy and understanding. And something you just talked about there, Kate, I think that's really important is that permission, you know, to actually know it's not going to be perfect. No. I'm not going to be able yeah. to do everything. Definitely. And give yourself that permission. And yeah. I think I had to catch myself and I, I don't know what happened. There was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. I had to catch myself sighing about my daughter's, you know, sort of meltdown after school. And I thought I'm going to have to, I need to change this because I think I heard the 10-year-old sigh mm. and I thought, okay. Well, so I started saying, isn't she just the cutest sister? Yeah. You know? um, we're so lucky to have her. Yeah. And goodness, we're, you know, all those things. So I started mm. changing my language mm. around feeling frustrated. Mm. And I can't always do that, but no. I made a significant shift to do yep. that. So yep. if someone can pick up on that. Um, Role modelling's huge. It's huge. I mean, they mirror us. It's mm. so unfortunate. <laughs> I know. That, mo- <laughs> like, that moment when you see it coming back, don't you, oh. and reflecting. And, you know, we were talking before, I've got a new baby at home and then three older kids. Yeah. And I see what I, the way I approach the baby is absolutely how they yes. approach them. So the language I yes. use, yep. and, you know, and so I see it mirrored in the kids. Yeah. And we say, we refer to ourselves as 2004, Kate and Mandy, and now. Yeah. So we had our babies in 2005 and we are, nothing about us is the same. Yeah. Mm. Like, yes, we've got some friends from that time, but we've, everything is different. The way we parent, what we believe, how we see the world, nothing is the same. And I am so grateful. Yeah, me too. I much prefer me now. Yeah. Than I than who I was. And it sounds to me like really what you're talking about is growth, isn't it? And yeah. you know, and it's not until you you find yourself challenged in certain ways that you really understand how you can, can grow. Yeah. And at yep. the time, it feels like you can't, and that's okay. Yes. Just remember that. From two old mums, mm. we <laughs> felt like that. Yeah. We didn't think we were going to make it. No, sometimes we've cried on the bathroom floor. We've hidden when people have knocked on the door because we can't talk to them that day. We've walked home from school bawling our eyes yeah, out. We have left them in the lion's den. We have done it and it, it does Gone get every easier. Every SSG, yep. oh, surgeries. Yep. Whew. And, but, you know, you don't even have to have a child with a, you no. know, a difference no. to experience no, those. No, you don't. It's, it's universal. And that's okay. It's yeah. okay. It's it okay. is okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll all be tearing up. I'm going to be tearing <laughs> up in a minute, ladies. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It has been an absolute privilege to listen to your experiences. I am a personal fan of your podcast. Thank you. And I think it's been, it's two Ps in a podcast, um, spelled T-O-O. Yes. You can uh, listen to a podcast (laughs) episode about why that is the case. Um, But we will link in our show notes. But I think... The podcast has really resonated with a lot of parents with children with prematurity or additional needs, but even more than that, Mm. it's really resonated with all parents Mm -hmm. and a lot of therapists and pediatricians. And we learn so much from listening to your stories. So Mm. thank you again for coming in, but thank you for doing your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, it's been a real privilege to hear from you today, ladies. Thanks for coming in. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and even better, leave us a review. Hopefully we've left you with something really interesting to think about today and maybe even share or talk about with a friend. And thanks for listening.
Information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, discussions with your doctor or healthcare professional. If you are concerned about your child, please consult your local healthcare professional for further advice.